What's up guys and welcome back to Theology Unscripted. Today we will be continuing our Romans series, piggybacking off the last episode, and we will be finishing the topic of God's righteousness. We will then be looking into Paul's next topic that we see in Romans. This is Theology Unscripted. Here we go, we're back. Romans is on our minds again. Yes, it is. And so we learned last time that... um. What did we learn last time? We talked about the righteousness of God uh, and the law and what that means, what the law means. And so Paul's going to sum that up here in nine verses, uh, chapter 3, verses 9 through 20. This is kind of a summary uh, completion of his first section here. And I, yeah, let me, let me just read it. Let me start reading in verse 9. What then? Are we Jews any better off? Again, he's talking about himself. He being a uh, someone of the Jewish faith who came to know Christ. He's talking about, are we any better off? And he says, no, not at all. If we have already charged that all, both Jew and Greeks, are under sin, as it's written, no one is righteous, no, not one. No one understands and no one seeks God, for all have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. Mm-hmm. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. Uh, he goes on and just talks about there is uh, no fear of God before their eyes, just to sum up kind of this section that he talks about here. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be accountable to God. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Mm. So that's pretty heavy, right? It is. And that last verse, I have heard it said that all that the law could do, according to Paul, was show us that we are sinners. Show us that we are guilty of sin and we are deserving of God's wrath. Because remember what he said... To start this book, he said, the righteous uh, will receive glory and honor. The unrighteous will receive wrath. Uh, now he's saying, well, actually, yeah, that's true, but no one's righteous. Yeah. So how are we supposed to be righteous? See, and that's exactly what he gets to in the next part. <laughs> so uh, this uh, is the important part. You cannot appreciate the rest of Romans without understanding his point here. We are, without Christ, uh, completely unable to be righteous ourselves. He says to the Jew... You cannot be righteous under the law. He says to the Gentile, even if you don't have the law, you're still guilty of it. So he makes it very clear, without uh, perfect righteousness, we deserve God's wrath, and we're unable to achieve to achieve that. Yeah, we just simply can't do it. So he says, he goes on, verse 21, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. And he makes it very clear to say, although the law and prophets bear witness to it, I think that is important. He's not saying the law doesn't matter. He's not saying... Uh, the Jewish faith up to this point has, doesn't matter. He's saying, no, this is very important. Everything that Hebrew uh, writers have written about in the Law and the Prophets uh, has pointed to this, has brought us to this. He said this is it's very important, but God brought it about outside of that. He yeah. brought righteousness about apart from the Law. And this is a righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. And he makes it very clear again, there's no distinction. There's no distinction between Jew and Greek. All are uh, sinners. Yeah, all are sinners, and all are available, or all have uh, Christ righteousness available through faith. Right. And he says, famous verse that a lot of people quote as part of what's called the Romans Road. They quote, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, which I always think it's funny that that's uh, just spoken out of, you know, I mean, it, it's a true verse, but it's just funny it's spoken out of context because it's literally the middle of a sentence. Yeah, it is. But, <laughs> so, but it, I mean, it, it makes a good point, so it's fine. But 
when you take it out of context, it doesn't change the meaning. It still means the same thing, but it does also, as everything else, better in context. Because he says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. Oh, man, that's a big word. Mm. Do you know what propitiation means? I have no idea. I'm not even sure how to define it exactly. Let's make sure that we get this right. So propitiation... Is let me check my notes here. I love some notes. Um, uh, here it is, verse twenty-five. Jesus' blood was propitiated or satisfied God's wrath. So mm-hmm. that's essentially what that means: is that it was presented as a substitutionary uh, satisfaction of God's wrath. Is what that means. So it covered for sin. In uh, some scholars have argued that sometimes it could be uh, expiation, which is another word that is very confusing, which is just the wiping away from sin. Uh, but that can't, uh, it can't be restricted to that, most people uh, would say. God's righteous anger needed to be appeased before sin could be forgiven. And God, in his love, sent his son, who offered himself willingly to satisfy God's holy anger mm-hmm. against sin. So that's the idea behind propitiation, is that it is the satisfaction for wrath. It appeases God's wrath so that it doesn't need to be poured out anymore. Gotcha. So, big word for that. Yeah, I see in my version it talks about Christ being presented as the sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. Yeah, yeah, atonement's another, probably a word, more commonly understood word than propitiation. But yeah, I'd say it means close to the same thing. Atonement is a good word for it, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Good. So, then he goes on and he says... Where were we? We stopped it. This was a show, uh, God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over former sins. Verse 26. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. I want to talk really quick here about God being just, because it's very important. Yes. So uh, it is, uh, he's trying to make it clear, I believe, that God is just. He does not. Uh, excuse sin for nothing. Because if he did, what, you know, what we want, I believe, is, you know, for God to do away with all evil. I believe any, any one of us would say, God, uh, end evil, get rid of evil. What Paul wants us to know is that, well, that includes me. (laughs) I'm part of that. Maybe you might not think I'm not as evil as others. And that is, you know, (laughs) can be true. But what, if we want God to get rid of all evil, that includes us. Yeah. Uh, So, in saying that he is just, he said, well, yes, that's what we deserved, but he is also the one who, by faith, offers us a uh, an atonement, like you said, or a propitiation, however you want to say it, for that, so that we are not the ones who have to bear God's wrath. Right. So this kind of takes us back to one of our first episodes, like God letting bad things happen, but mm-hmm. he lets them happen so we can go through them and then turn around and rely on him right. for his righteousness. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So that we trust in we trust in His righteousness and not our own, like He says here. Yeah. Uh, what then becomes of our boasting? Mm-hmm. It is excluded. By what kind of law? By law of works? No, but by the faith, the law of faith. Mm-hmm. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. So again, you taught you asked last episode. Uh, does this say it's works based? So it did sound like that, it but did. now He's making clear, no, it isn't. Right. So he was the way he was writing it. He wanted us to think through. Does it require works? Well, it would, except that our works aren't good enough. Mm -hmm. That's what he's saying here. It you know, if you want to want to do right, you have to be righteous. Yeah, you get good things. But hey, the problem is we can't do it. However, through faith now we receive a righteousness and we are justified apart 
from these works of the law. And then he's going to go on and make clear that God is not the God of the Jews only, um, and he is also the God of the Gentiles. Since God is one, he will justify uh, those under the law and those who are not under the law all through faith. I really like verse 31 here. It says, Do we then nullify this law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. So this is showing yep. us that like, not only do we have to have faith, but we still have to rely on the law yep. and focus and like still try our best to be the best people we can be. Yep. But if we're not relying on God, then it's not going to get us anywhere. That's right, yes. And I believe, and he will talk about this when we get to chapter 6 some more, but he is, again, he's setting up that idea mm-hmm. that uh, it is it should be very clear that we respond to grace by doing the works of the law. I think is what he wants to say. It's not a way to be saved, right. but it is showing that we now live under faith and not uh, under wrath anymore. Uh, we'll talk more about that in chapter six. So mm-hmm. I have some ideas of what we'll talk about when we get to chapter six. Uh, but I, it's very. I think there's a reason that chapter six is after chapters chapter one four. through five yeah. because he wants us to get what's important first. Right. That we are justified by faith. Cool. Uh, chapter four. Uh, I don't want to read the whole thing, but. Uh, In this, Paul wants to uh, bring up Abraham and a verse from Genesis where it says that Abraham believed God and God credited that to him as righteousness. So Paul is looking back and saying, hey, look, Abraham was around before the law. Uh, He was justified uh, by faith himself. So that's what he says. says, uh, What shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about but not before God. What does the scripture say? And that this is when he quotes from Genesis, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as what as is due. So he says, that if you are doing good works, uh, what you get is not a gift. It's what you just earned. It's what mm-hmm. you earned for yourself, right. which makes sense. There's a difference between if somebody uh, gives me a gift or if I have to work for my wages, right? It's There's a difference. Just like, it's expected for us to be good. Essentially. And yeah, let's see what he says. Yeah, but that's what he's getting at. Uh, and to the one who does not work, but believes in the in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness, just as David also speaks of the blessing, the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from the works. And he, ta- he quotes from David. He says, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. And blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. So, yeah, right. If uh, talking about what, what do we earn by our own? Uh, again, you know, if we think back, we, we don't earn much, right? Mm-hmm. We can't earn much, but we are blessed because the Lord does not count our sin against us through faith in Jesus. And he's looking back at Abraham, who also received this righteousness from God just for having faith in what God said. I've always, I've always thought it's interesting how important it is to God that you believe what he says. Yeah. So if you read passage after passage, that's what we see. Mm-hmm. I find it pretty cool how the uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament are kind of working hand in hand right here. That's pretty cool. Yeah, without a doubt. Paul does that all the time. He uh, very likely had most of the, what we would call the Old Testament, most of his Hebrew Bible, probably had it memorized. Yeah. More more than likely, as uh, he, called, he said he was a Pharisee. He'll talk about that. And these, these are like the top le- teachers, some of the top teachers of the law. So he probably had the whole thing memorized. Mm-hmm. I was listening to something today from uh, Tim Mackey and the Bible Project. Uh, he was talking about how uh, these chapter and verse numbers uh, were came about later, probably the 12 to 1600s. We don't really know when it was. So for 
um, th hundreds and maybe even thousands of years, uh, readers of the Old Testament didn't have chapter and verse numbers. And he said they referred to a verse or a section just by talking about the first few words of it hmm. because they just had it memorized. That's insane. I mean, this, yeah. So they wouldn't say, well, let's go to, you know, let's go to Genesis chapter 49 or whatever it is. They would just you refer to the first couple words. Genesis, of that. that's yeah. Like, yeah, that's pretty cool. So they didn't have, yeah, verse, the verse and chapter numbers are fairly, fairly new compared to the Hebrew Bible for Definitely sure. Definitely weren't around when uh, they were writing the New Testament. No, yeah, exactly. Right. That's exactly right. So he's just referring to things that he knows in his heart. Um, that's why he doesn't say, well, according to Genesis for whatever yeah. it is, right? So because he doesn't know. <laughs> Those weren't around yet. So. Uh, he's again going to talk about the difference between circumcised, uncircumcised. And again, that's just talking about the signs of uh, the law of Moses, the covenant, um, the Sinai covenant is what we might call it. Mm -hmm. He's just referring back to that. Uh, and he says, for we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he was circumcised? And he says it was not after but it was before. Hmm. So he's even saying, look, yeah, you know what? Abraham received the sign of the covenant, but God said he received righteousness by faith before before that. Right. So what he's saying, he makes a very strong point here. Look, guys, it is not this sign of the covenant anymore. Yeah. It has always been faith. It has been faith from the beginning, from Abraham. It has been faith that grants us righteousness. It is believing what God said. Now, the law in uh, the Old Testament was important, right? They had to follow the law. God said, if you don't follow the law... You won't do well. If you do follow it, you will do well, essentially. I you know, summed up like three books yeah. way too simply there, but <laughs> that's essentially what it says. And what he's making clear, and I think it is very important for his readers to understand, is that it is had, it, having the righteousness from God didn't have anything to do with any sign of the covenant. It had to do with faith. Yes. Even, and, not, and that's not a new thing, is what he's saying. It's, this is what it was from the beginning. Cool. All right, so where do we go next? I believe we should. So he says some more things about Abraham uh, at the end of chapter four. I would, you know, go read that if you want. We won't read it right now. Uh, but just to set us up for what we want to talk about next time, my favorite verse in the whole Bible is Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. It's on my door of my classroom here. Uh, love this verse. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 5 is going to talk about that. I believe that deserves its own episode, so I think that's what we should do next. All right, sounds good. Well, again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next one.